The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Brian Kelly, Bonowin Ison, Steve Grasso, and James McDonald, CEO of Hercules Investments. Tonight on Fast, a bold call on the cruise lines, making a big splash on the dust tonight. Find out if you should set sail on any of these names. Plus, cloudy with a chance of profits, where one of our traders is finding the next big opportunity. And later, ready for takeoff, the chart master says the airlines are set to soar. How you can play a return to the friendly skies. But we start with a strong finish to a topsy-turvy week. Stocks grinding higher today with all three major averages finishing firmly in the green the nasdaq the big standout gaining two and a quarter percent but brace yourself because one of these four traders says a generational market meltdown is about to kick off starting next week now we're not going to tell you who it is just yet but we will tell you this much it is not bk so your odds of guessing who it is increase greatly beaks based on that headline would you agree would you say it's time to hunker down well, listen, more sympathetic to the bear case, BK could not be. I mean, that's, you know, part, part of my DNA, I think. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, part of the reason why I got into, into Bitcoin is I do think we're at the end of this debt super cycle that's lasted for about 80 to 90 years. And we're going to go through some period of reset, which will in, include a bear market, an extended bear market in equities. Now, whether or not that starts next week, I have absolutely no idea. When I look at the markets today and what the catalysts are over the relatively short term, to me, I think once you get a little bit of dollar weakness, that could set up some bottoming in the S&P 500 as we go into the election and, and you get jawboning about stimulus and all kinds of things because the Republicans want the stock market higher into the election. I think that ups their odds of winning, or at least in their view, that ups their odds of winning. After that, you know, it's, it's all holds barred. So for me, I do, I do think we are due for a long-term bear market. Timing on it is anybody's guess. That big call, also not made by Bonowin Eisen. So what would you say about this prediction, Bonowin? Um, well, in terms of uh, BK thinking that they were kind of like heading towards a secular downtrend, I mean, it, it makes some sense. I think I'm a little less bearish. Again, I do think the risk is to the downside. And again, that's really a matter of risk reward and kind of um, how you want to trade and risk manage your portfolio. So yes, I do think the risk is to the downside in the short and intermediate term. And for no other reason, there's just too much uncertainty in the market. And we have all spoken to massive extents in terms of what has gotten us here. So what is going to take us to the next leg higher? And honestly, as BK said, I, I really don't know. In terms of a monumental or generational secular downtrend, I mean, by definition, statistically speaking, that is just going to be a statistical outlier. That's not normal. So I would tend to bet against that, just purely playing the numbers. But again, yes, one up, one down. I think it's more like one up, two, one up, two and a half down right now. The guy who made the call, the new guy on the desk, James McDonald. And earlier on the, on the, on the call, James, you were saying that you're tearing your hair out over this. You don't have any hair. So you must feel very passionately about, about the timing of this and the depth of the pullback. It's true. I said my hair's on fire, and you see the evidence of that. 
Uh, these are statistical <laughs> realities for us. We've had an anomalous run-up since March. We had an anomalous catalyst that took the market down in February. And we had a record, historic, unprecedented August. Now, we've come down since then. We've stopped going up. We're down 10.5% since the 9-2, 52-week high. But this is the arbiter of what's coming. We have stopped going up. In 87, since then, 83% of all corrections have been followed by a 7% pullback, and we don't have anywhere close uh, to the rosy scenarios in those pullbacks. We have a pandemic that has halted our economy, stymied our Fed, and we have 36 months of predicted uncertainty. Um, if we go back to Warren Buffett's indicator, 61% overvalued compared to the SPX. That's the second largest in history, the first being the dot-com scenario, and this is after 10% pullback. Tech drove us here. It has come off the hardest since the 52-week highs. We're over 14% down before today on tech. And then, as uh, BK said, election uncertainty. Corporate taxes could potentially go up. This is mm. going to prompt a rotation out of tech, and tech is what's brought us here. Goldman today cut in half their four G, uh, Q4 GDP forecast from 6% to 3%. And finally, um, if you're a trader and you're managing money, you saw the alerts coming off today. These brokerage houses, seven out of seven of the largest brokerage houses have raised their margin requirements by up to 75% as of today. That is today. That is a sign of what's coming. Uh, they are de-risking themselves from exposure uh, to what's coming. And we're excited about this. We have a way to profit from it. We'll talk about later in the show. Yeah, um, I do want to get Steve's reaction. But first, we do have breaking news on American Airlines. Let's get to Phil LeBeau with the story. Phil. Melissa, American has just dropped an 8K, which has a number of notes regarding Treasury loans and its debt portfolio. Let me start first off by saying that American has agreed to a loan of $5.5 billion from the Treasury Department. You may remember that they initially had an agreement of $4.7 billion to be borrowed. They have upsized it to $5.5 billion as a requirement of agreeing to that loan. They have to take a draw of at least 10%, so they've drawn down $550 million today. In addition, American may expand how much it borrows from the Treasury Department up to $7.5 billion, so another $2 billion. What does the Treasury Department get for this? 10% of American Airlines warrants equal to 10% of whatever money is borrowed. So ultimately, if American borrows about $8.5 or $9 billion, the Treasury Department will get American warrants equal to $900 million. One other debt note, American has closed its $1.2 billion capital raise. And if you're keeping score, Melissa, American is now sitting on more than $42 billion in debt. Melissa, back to you. Uh, Phil, the stock is moving higher in the after-hour sessions. Just, is this just because it's a lifeline and it's, it's not immediately yep. dilutive to shareholders? Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it is. Um, and, and look, it remains to be seen if they will need to borrow all of this. But the fact that they have said we may need to borrow another $2 billion in addition to that $5.5 billion, I mean, it's clear that they, um, they realize that we're into a rough six months here, Melissa. You will not see a big increase in passengers, and that means it's going to be tougher to get back to break even. Wow. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau, we knew that this loan was going to happen. Um, the, the CEOs indicated as much. We didn't know the size of this, Steve Grasso. What's your reaction? Short-term good news, but longer-term for the shareholder, what does this mean? Well, short-term good news, yes. And as you said, the stock is trading up uh, on that. All the airlines seem to be trading up on that. But if you remember, ISI put a crazy low price target on this. Was it a dollar or $2 price target on American? 
it is uh, known as the weakest balance sheet out of all the airlines. So if you had to worry about one, this is the one to worry about. If you want to go into the best balance sheet, it's Delta or LUV. I'm in Southwest because I think that the domestic airlines are going to re uh, return quicker than international travel. But we have seen a flurry of positive headlines coming out in the airlines as of late. Yeah, Grasso has got a crackling mic. We'll work on that. As Grasso had mentioned, um, some of the other airlines have better balance sheets. Uh, we do know that Delta, Southwest, as well as Spirit, they've all said that they are not going to take out loans. So, Bono, in your view, would that be the better bet for an investor right now as opposed to ones that are taking out loans um, and, and just building up their debt levels? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I really couldn't state it any better. I mean, when you look at the enterprise value and the, and the debt balance that these companies are taking on, right, this isn't because they see, a, a, you know, an investment on the horizon. This is literally in terms of their, them managing their cash burn and giving themselves enough runway to get back to some type of normalcy when it comes to bookings. So in terms of like really what's going to be accretive for shareholders, you definitely want to be heading to, you know, the, the companies, the, the deltas of the world, Southwest, um, you know, literally anyone but American. They're in the worst situation so that when things do right size, you can look at ways to be accretive to shareholders rather than having to take all of that cash and pay down debt. Yeah, we've talked so many times about just getting to the other side, getting the cash uh, in, in hand to get to the other side. James, I'm wondering if, if you would invest now for that other side scenario. We've got a crisis opportunity portfolio, and we think that when we're talking about industries being rescued, obviously transportation is always going uh, to get support from the government, anything that involves trade uh, or economic stability. And we like JETS, J-E-T-S, the ETF for this space. It's so difficult to predict what's happening in backroom, boardroom conversations and government negotiations. Uh, so we buy the whole basket. We like this sector as uh, one that's going to recover when we get to the bottom of this market. I get that thesis that there will always be a government backstop for certain industries, but look at what happened to GM. That equity went down to zero. So how do you parse out the GMs of the world with another scenario in which equity investors don't get diluted to zero, BK? Yeah, I mean, and, and what happened to Bear Stearns, right? J.P. Morgan got a heck of a deal on that. So that's what you have to worry about in this scenario. I mean, what Phil said, $42 billion of debt. And I think for the folks at home that are playing the game, and I know a lot of people are playing the airlines as a trade, as a recovery trade, but remember, if you own the equity, if that debt goes bad, your equity is the first thing to go. You're wiped out. So I, I think you have a real tough time. I would stay away from American, the ones with the highest debt levels, and frankly, I would just trade these things at this point in time to bet on a recovery. I, you know, you might want to, I would stay to the domestic ones. I love Delta, but the problem with Delta is a lot of their routes are international as well, and they get a lot of lot fed in from that. And I think that's going to be the sector, the part of the airline sector that's the, that takes the longest to recover. So I, you know, I would go more with like a, a Spirit or a Southwest that stays domestic. All right. Uh, let's get back to the markets conversation. Are the charts pointing to a market pullback, as James has been predicting? Let's bring in the chart master, Carter Worth. So, Carter, what are you seeing? Well, for starters, I'm all with James. I mean, listen, <laughs> investing is risky, and for a long time it's been almost like annuities. Uh, downside's not allowed. And, and, and James made an important point before we get to a few slides. Once you drop 10%, you typically drop more. In fact, 
uh, here are the numbers on that. There have been 25 times in the history of the S&P uh, where you've dropped more than 10% from an all-time high. And the mean decline is more like 27, median around 21. So once you trigger 10, it quite often cascades into more. But let's look at what happened uh, just uh, this week. Slide one. What we know is we just had a circumstance now where we're down four weeks in a row. That in and of itself is fairly rare. If you look at all rolling four-week periods, 1928 to present, it's only happened about 2% of the time. Now, week five, what happens? I mean, what, what could happen next week? The odds favor up, but they're not any different than all weeks, meaning you can see here week five after four weeks down is up 61% of the time. Week five is down 39. But those numbers, again, are about what markets do in any given week. So now, what is the performance after being down four weeks in a row? Second slide. The weekly performance in week five is very muted. Even if it's up a little bit, and again, it doesn't have to be, it's all suggestive that there isn't some great, well, because we're down, it must pop. We're not in that camp. Now let's look at two charts. Here's the first chart of the S&P. What you all know, we have the pandemic plunge. The S&P recovers to and above said plunge and now has fallen back below the tops of January, February. Another way to draw the lines, final chart, is just the uptrend that's been in effect since the March low. And obviously, optically, it's a very clear break in trend. So the real issue is, after advancing 65% from the low to the September 2nd peak, and the NASDAQ 85%, are we going to skip away with just a 10% decline when all of the statistics would suggest otherwise? Does it change? My hunch is mm -hmm. we will not skip away. Does it does it, I guess it doesn't change the filter through which uh, you look, Carter, at all, the fact that market leadership is so concentrated in technology. And on the last trading day of the fourth week of declines, we saw such a bounce, a strong bounce in tech specifically. Well, that's right. If you look at uh, today, it's almost always this hourglass. All of the things that are cyclical, financials and energy and industrials, uh, not doing well. And you have just a handful of names. Communications is, is one stock, two stocks, Facebook and, and, and so forth. I mean, consumer discretion was up. We know that's Amazon and we know tech. So it remains the case where it's just a few champions that hold things together. When they're down, the market's down. And when they try to recover, you put on a recovery like today, but it doesn't fix things. All right. Carter, thank you. We'll see you in Options Action in a little bit. Carter Braxton Worth. Uh, Steve Grasso, I want to go to you. We never got your take on this prediction for a big pullback, which will start next week. What do you think? So I like two things. I like bold calls. James gets a thumbs up for that. I love data. He gets a thumbs up for that. I smell and when you look at the levels, I, I, no, 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 there's no, no butt coming. So, okay. so I had felt as if we should, we should back off 20% as well. And that's why I threw out that number of 28.50 or so, 28.60 in the S&P cash. I think we're heading there. And that might be the first test. But when you look at uh, generational bottoms, when we look at the COVID bottom, it took 23 days to go from the highs that we saw pre-COVID to the COVID low of 2191. Then it took 99 days to get back to that level. So the question is, as we said the last time I was on the show, is it a dip and you have to pick your dip worth buying I think you could start to nibble once we break 3,000 in the S&P. 
To do it now, you're setting yourself up for failure. To break 3,000. I mean, more specifically, though, the last time you were on the show, Grasso, as memory recall, serves, uh, 2850 was the downside level that you had actually cited. So that's actually the level at which you would say, right. that's where, that's my dip. That's my dip. My dip yeah. is 2850. I want to be about 20% down from all time highs. And I think Carter had just mentioned once you go down 10, the, the median is right. down 27%. So I think that's the time we could start buying. So just to button this up, James, what's your dip then? That level on the S&P. So we've got 28, we've got 2890 uh, as a key support level. We think that 2890 is imminent. Uh, 2850 is likely. Uh, we think 2890 is imminent. And if there, we'll see uh, where our, our central government comes in to uh, offer support again. I think that is something that we have to consider if we look at historical data. Uh, you know, Chairman Greenspan and Chairman Bernanke didn't come in so quickly uh, to rescue things. And so we do have to keep that in consideration. But 2850 and 2090 uh, are very close. And so uh, either way, we're coming down. All right. Coming up, cruise lines hitting some rocky waters this year. But is there smooth sailing on the horizon? We'll break down the bold call that sent these names soaring today. And later, cloud stocks have been flying high all year long. But is there a storm brewing in the sector? That trade and more when Fast Money returns. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Welcome back to Fast Money. A bold call on the cruise lines today, making some big waves. Barclays upgrading the sector to an overweight. The firm saying, while we may be early, we believe the risk reward is the most attractive in our coverage universe. Shares of Royal Caribbean, Carnival, Norwegian cruise lines all surging on this news. So is it time to set sail on these names? Bono, and you know, this is a firm downgraded this group back in June, uh, upgrading now, making uh, what seems to be a tactical call uh, based on what the CDC might say about sailing guidelines. Yeah, I mean, it's a bold call. And we, and we said we do appreciate those, so hats off there. But I just, I'm just not in agreement, right? We've just sat here and spoke about the issues, particularly the debt balances that face the airlines, right? Where the cruise lines are in the exact same situation. So we're poo-pooing American Airlines because they have $40 billion of debt. But Carnival has 25 and World Caribbean has about $30 billion of debt, right? So, again, you're in the same situation, debt-laden. Now, they do have some bookings that they're looking and projecting out to 2021, 2022, but essentially trying to make a call on when the coronavirus is going to abate. I mean, I don't think any of us are, are qualified to do that. So, no, I mean, I, I, I will say that being that there is such a retail presence in this, I can see the stock bouncing. We've seen fits and starts, but I think there's so much to get through that you'll have an opportunity to get in at, a, at an attractive level, whether you miss the very bottom or not. Yeah, I mean, from an investor standpoint, I agree completely with what you said, Bono. And at the same time, it seems like this analyst wants to play trader a little bit because of the recent downgrade and now the upgrade. They're saying because the set sale deadline is, is the end of this month. And they're expecting that the CDC will actually extend that. But we'll say positive things about uh, the guidelines, et cetera. So this sounds sort of like a, a tactical call uh, because of just this near-term upside from the CDC, Grasso. What, what would you say? Is this worth a flyer? Yeah, so, so I hear everything Bono is saying, and I, and I do believe in that tactical call because when you look at it, they had a price target on Royal Caribbean of 50. 
current sale is around 64, so they up their price target to not look silly, so they up their price target to 68 or so. I do think that you can start to dabble in these. They have this healthy sale panel, and if they're going to be testing people before you get on and taking less excursions, and then maybe testing people in the middle of the cruise as well, there's a lot of people who love to cruise. So I think you can probably nibble. You don't have to bite, but I think it's okay to start nibbling on this. But I agree with Bono, and none of us can predict what COVID's gonna look like six months now. But what I can predict is that we're closer to the end than we were to the beginning. Let's hope that's true. Coming up, we are on cloud nine over this high-flying ETF. We'll break down what is driving the rally and where it is headed from here. And later, it's been a turbulent year for airline stocks, but is a group ready for takeoff? We will tackle that when Fast Money returns. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Mark your calendars for this Wednesday. Delivering Alpha celebrates its 10th year with speakers like Steven Mnuchin, Chamath Palihapitiya, Steven Schwartzman, Mary Erdos, and more. Visit DeliveringAlpha.com to learn more and to register. Time for a move of the day. Take a look at Wisdom Tree Cloud Computing ETF, ticker WCLD. It was up more than 3% today, closing out its best week since late August. The move driven by a rally and shares a Zoom video, which gained more than 13% this week. So do these cloud stocks keep floating higher from here. BK, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, listen, the cloud, this, this thing has been a double off the lows. It has been one of the strongest sectors in the market, primarily because of the work from home, go to school from home, all these home things. And companies are going to continue to spend on that. So I think it's right when you have a market that is up as much as it was today, these names get a bit of love. That being said, it's not without risk, right? Because these things also got hit the hardest on the downside. Uh, So I think it's interesting. It's a place right here where I'd probably stick my toe in. And by Mm -hmm. that, I mean I'd buy a third of what you would want as your position. And then let's see what the next week brings. uh, And then maybe you'll have a chance to edge in another third. Bono in, quick thoughts on cloud. Yeah, I think I would decouple it, right? I'd buy names like CRM or Adobe. I mean, they're starting to consolidate, so I think you have a bit of downside. But those names make 90 and $12 billion and still have about 20 to 30% growth year over year in terms of revenue. So I'd stick with the more stable ones. Those that are still burning cash or modestly making cash, I'd wait, I'd wait on those. Yeah, and Grasso, in your abandonment of technology in general, also cloud? Yeah, I think you have to, I mean, well, Zoom is up 628% year to date. 
I think these things are, to say the least, a little overextended. It's only a 3% holding in this Wisdom Tree uh, fund. But still, nonetheless, once we get back to any semblance of normal, these things are ripe to get whacked hard. All right, time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. James McDonald. I am all in UVXY January 2021 calls. I think volatility is the only place to be here. Steve Grasso. Uh, international paper had a price hike today. It helped all the container board stocks. It's Westrock, WRK, was up 8 or 9%. They are expected to follow with their own price hike next week. Bye. Bono and Eisen. Uh, with this dollar strength, I don't think it bodes well for EEM. If this $42 support doesn't hold, I think you've got about 5 to 10% downside in the stock. Brian Kelly. Yeah, well, for me, I'm looking for things that, that are going to bottom here. I'm looking at FCX, Copper and Gold, Dr. Copper has actually held up fairly well this year. So I think FCX somewhere around here is a good place to get it. All right. Options Action up next. Stay tuned. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.